Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by ESPN's Tim McManus as we discuss the team he covers, the Philadelphia Eagles. Why have they climbed into the playoff race and what do they have in quarterback Jalen Hurts? Where has, he, where has he improved the most over the last four or five weeks? There is some question, though, right now as to whether or not Hurts will play. This discussion was pretty much assuming that he was going to. It was taped earlier in the week, but that's where and, and he, is, he was limited in practice this week. But I'd still put money on him playing just as a gut feel. So anyway, a lot of discussion on him, but it's also about other parts of the Eagles. You can follow Tim on Twitter at Tim underscore McManus, and you can read both our work on ESPN.com. I have stories up now about how they're handling the COVID outbreak, as I'm sure you know. It ain't easy, folks. Before I play my conversation with Tim, a couple things plus a prediction. As of this recording, Washington has 21 players on the COVID list, including six of their top seven remaining defensive linemen. I say that with Chase Young on IR and out for the year. Two of their starting defensive backs in Kendall Fuller and Cam Curl. It's brutal. And there's really no way to prepare for a situation like this, because in all honesty, there's still a few days left before the game. There probably are going to be more. Now, conversely, there may be some that come off. But one thing I'll go back to is what a lot of players said about Ron Rivera when they were two and six and what they said about him last year. They couldn't tell what their record was based on how he reacted to them. He was the same. It makes a difference because if the players see you panic, then they feel a need to panic or at least wonder, why are you panicking? Do you not trust us? Do you, is this situation worse than we thought? Now, clearly in this situation, everybody knows it's bad. But in this case, every coach we've talked to, from Ron Rivera to the coordinators, has said the same things. They're going to prepare the guys they have available. They're, and they're saying this in a very straightforward manner, like, hey, this is a job we have. This is a job we'll do. Doesn't mean they're going to win. May not even be competitive. Who knows? But it does mean they're not going to panic, and I think that's a good thing. Let's go back a few years. And I remember the day that Junior Gallette got hurt in practice the first time he was with Washington, when he was first with Washington, around a week before the season opener. So we're standing outside the locker room, and Jay Gruden literally walked around outside the locker room looking like his best friend had died. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. Honest to God, he was walking, muttering to himself, I'm just having a bad day. I'm just having a bad day. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't know if that's the way you want your head coach to be acting in that situation. Now, the team ended up, I think that year they were 9-7, good quarterback play helped. But I don't, you know, during a time of chaos, players need to see somebody in charge who can remain calm and project a level of confidence. I haven't sensed an ounce of panic when interviewing anyone here, including the players. Again, may not mean success on the field Sunday, but I think it's the right tone to strike. As a coach, you have to focus on opportunity. Guys all want playtime. Here's your chance. You want it, now you have it. And those players don't view this as a lost cause. They view it as a chance to prove themselves, maybe make some money. I do feel kind of bad for a guy like Tim Settle if he is not able to play because he's a free agent after this year. And I think I told you the other day, a really good game in this situation if he's playing, if John Allen couldn't play and Tim gets more time, a good game in that situation could earn him a couple more million dollars, whether per year or over the life of a contract. Anyway, it's one thing when you have one or two guys in that situation. It's a whole other when you have 
as many as Washington has. This isn't about next man up, folks. It's really next unit up, in some cases, next roster up. And I do think this team responds to Rivera. You just have to look at the second half of the game against Dallas. At halftime, they're down. They were getting their butts kicked. As bad, they're as bad as first half as I've seen them play in a long time. Rivera reads them the riot act. From what I understand, the old linebacker came out roaring. He told them to not come out with their tails between their legs, that it was a pathetic first half, and that they need to have some pride. He told them they owed it to the fans who paid their hard-earned money to, and to expect and to see them play a certain way. The message resonated. I think the way they handled the situation, his message will resonate as well. Maybe not, again, in terms of wins and losses, but in the way they respond after such a crazy week. It's one week. It's a pivotal one, but it's just one week. That's how you can't, you don't want to, while this is a huge game in terms of the playoffs, you don't want to eliminate yourself with just this one loss because there are three games after this. The one piece of good news for Washington on Thursday was it was the NFL altering or tweaking its protocols a bit. So now a player can return up to receiving two negative tests on the same day rather than, than on consecutive days as had been the protocol. Conceivably, that would enable Washington to get a lot of its players back sooner than initially thought. It could, it might make the difference in a day or so for our players. That would help for some, but it's not unusual for people who are asymptomatic to still test positive after several days or longer. I know at least a few of these players on the list do not have symptoms. That doesn't mean they'll test negative and be back before Sunday. It just means they don't, they aren't showing symptoms, but they still might test positive. This does give more of them a shot, however. There is a chance they'll get all of their defensive linemen back, even Montez Sweat. Again, chance. I emphasize chance. I don't even know what percentage. I can't even put a percentage on it because who the heck knows who's going to test positive on Saturday or Sunday. Jack Del Rio said they would play Montez Sweat if he is cleared on Saturday. That's the 10th day for him. So he would be eligible to play. He just hasn't played since October 31st. But they said he's been working out and they like what they've seen of him, you know, whether on, on Zoom. So we'll see. And I don't know how much he could really play, but he certainly would play. As for a prediction, I mean, it's really hard to pick Washington based on what we know right now, which is they just don't have the players available. It's not just those on COVID. It's those who are hurt, notably Terry McLaurin, J.D. McKissick. I put Curtis Samuel on that list. But he hasn't done anything yet for Washington to say what kind of a huge loss he would be. I think the potential of Curtis Samuel has been a loss all season. But right now, in terms of tangible losses, I don't put him in the same class as McLaurin or, or McKissick or anywhere close. Those two will be big losses. It will be a third game in a row for McKissick. Um, McLaurin was out there practicing on Thursday in a limited way. Um, but once they finished the positional warm-up drills, he went over to the side field where McKissick was already at. So we'll see. Just because guys are out there when they have concussions running around doesn't mean they'll be able to play. Um, so we'll see what happens. All total, they have 34 players on injury reserve and the COVID list combined. There are a couple who are on both lists. I won't get into all the reasons why I'm picking Philly. I think it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Washington doesn't have the players, and we have no idea who will return or when. If a bunch of the D-line returns this week, then we could be looking at a much different situation or again outcome. They can use their five D-line front versus this group. They probably still use it anyways, but it's a lot better when they have these other guys on the field. It's tailor-made for what Philly does in offense. They want to run the ball, and they don't throw it especially well. 
Jalen Hurts has been better lately, as you'll hear from, from Tim in a few minutes, but they're not a consistent passing team. They don't have those kind of that kind of um, weaponry right now. So that five B line front, really good for what Philly does. If you can get some of those players back, because right now Deron Payne is the only original starter on that group. Washington should be able to try to run the ball. And I say that, first of all, the Eagles have been pretty good on D, but Washington is down to their fifth center in John Toth. But they do have four starting offensive linemen who were original O-line starters, plus two of their top three tight ends and their top back in Antonio Gibson. They're missing key parts in the pass game, which would help even with the run game, but they can make it work if they play smart and tough and if the defense is able to keep it close. They fall behind a little bit, then we saw what happened last week, and, and Taylor Heineke has to be a lot smarter. But I do think that there's a formula. If you get some guys back, it's just going to be awfully, awfully tough. And this, the, the kicker is that I think this would be a good matchup for them otherwise. But one thing in Washington's favor on, favor on D is the versatility in the back end. Don't be surprised if Jeremy Reeves is the third safety with Landon Collins and Bobby McCain in some sets. Reeves is smart and prepared. I loved when we had him on a Zoom call Thursday, and he went over how he's a different safety compared to last year. He talked about, first of all, he talked about the input he gets from guys like um, Bobby McCain, William Jackson, Landon Collins, how he's learned from them. And he you know, the mental reps he takes and how when he's watching a game and, and just seeing how what he when he was watching, he'd see how offenses attacked their various um, schemes or coverages, and it helped him learn, again, when you learn how offenses attack a, a, a coverage, it allows you to play a certain way. And I think that's what he's done. And also he's under, he said he understands route concepts a lot better too. But I also like guys as, like, such as Reeves because of the desire a- aspect. He was asked by the Washington Times, Matt Paris on the Zoom call, why stick around after you've been cut? He could have, he could have signed another practice squad. Reeves got a little emotional actually answering this question, admitted that it was very tough. He felt his play last year had put him in a place where he wouldn't be back on the practice squad, but he's been there all year. But he said his mother told him, you don't quit something when you start, and he wants to make it here. It's guys like this who have a golden opportunity Sunday, and whether or not he gets the job done, he's going to approach it with a certain amount of energy and desire, and that's something that can help. I also think the situation can pay, div- can pay dividends down the road. How do you respond to adversity? This isn't just about a win or a loss. It's about how you compete. Find guys who want to compete in any situation, and you can find guys who can help your team eventually. If they lose, they'll be 6-8 and eight with a trip to Dallas, and who knows who will be available for that one. There's a chance they could make the playoffs at 8-9, and nine, but that scenario relies on a lot of help. Their main participants, like main, main com, uh, competitors, likely will be the Eagles, Saints, and Falcons, and I'm kind of putting the 49ers in there right now. So that's the shame of this weekend. It impacts the playoff race in a huge way. For the last month, Ron Rivera has played the David versus Goliath theme. It's never been more appropriate than it is this weekend. All right, that's enough for me. Let's turn to the Eagles now because there's still a game that must be played. And as bad as it looks now, we really don't know yet who's going to be available on Sunday. So let's talk about the game. So after this break, I'll be joined by ESPN's Tim McManus. Why are the Eagles running the ball so well? Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Tim McManus. 
All right, Tim. Well, this is not the game I thought would take place this year where the Eagles are playing the way they are. Are you surprised at what they've done this season? I guess the answer from the beginning of the season would be no. Uh, I had them right around eight wins. That's right. Uh, coming, into, coming into this year. And so they're kind of trending towards that. But there's so many ups and downs, John, in the in the season that you kind of get carried away. You know, sure. Fans do it. Media does it where a bad loss, uh, you know, feels like the, the earth is cratering a big win. It feels like they're on top of the world. And, and the answer typically lies somewhere in between. But I right. think if if we looked at the way that this season was projecting, you saw that it was a first-year head coach in Nick Sirianni coupled with a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts, and they had one of the toughest opening schedules in the entire league. So you expected there to be some pretty rough moments, and, and indeed there were. And then it smoothed out for them where they had one of the easiest closing schedules where they could get gather some wins. And, in fact, that's what's happened. So I guess I'm, I'm not surprised uh, how we got here, um, you know, and uh, – but it is kind of interesting that we have two teams that we're talking about uh, that both are vying for a playoff spot. Yeah, I know. And, you know, this is where I thought this team would be. I thought their ceiling was about a nine or 10 win season. I think the injuries are going to put a little, what might not get them there, but they're kind of right in that nine win range right now, but that takes a hot finish. And I don't know that they're, I don't know if they have enough left to do that, but the, how are the, in terms of health, like this team is banged up. We just talking about before we came on here, how banged up they are, player losses. How are the Eagles in that area? You know, they're doing okay, actually. I mean, this has been one of the most injured teams in the entire NFL over the last, like, Correct. four years. Right. Um, and this year, by comparison, has been better. Like, they they lost Brandon Graham. You know, he's he's like the, the heart of that defense early on in the season. Um, but they've been able to kind of manage. It's it certainly hurt them, uh, but he's been a, a major loss. They lost Brandon Brooks, their mm-hmm. their star right guard, early in the season. Then Jack Driscoll, their their backup right guard, just went down. So they're they're on their third right guard. Uh, but they have one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, and Jeff Statlin, and they've done a really nice job of of making sure that they didn't miss too much of a beat, even with those injuries. And now you have on the left side, Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson, the rookie out of Alabama who has come into, yeah. into his own. And they, they still have one of the best O lines in the NFL, number one in rushing heading into this game. Uh, so there, there have been some injuries along the way, but not uh, debilitating like it, it was in past seasons. What I saw with Dickerson that I think somebody there compared him to they could be like had some qualities of a Quentin Nelson too, which is high Nick praise. Sirianni. Yeah, yeah, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, the head coach said that. Yeah. Yep. yeah, which is which is high, high praise. With Jalen Hurts, because everything comes back to the quarterback, they switched to a more ground game attack. Why has that worked so well? Well, it just fits in with the personnel that they have. I mean, I think that Sirianni, one of his his biggest blunders early was going past heavy, uh, he wasn't leaning on this running back group at all. I mean, you know, these, these guys were ending up with like, you know, seven, nine carries a game. And he recognized over the course of those weeks, it really took like week seven, week eight until it kicked in that, look, I, I got one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of road pavers in there and you have a quarterback who is a threat with the, with his feet 
which opens up a whole lot of other opportunities for the running backs and can help fuel that, that run game. And then you build the play action off of that. And Jalen Hurts happens to be a really good play action passer. And so the light just kind of clicked after, you know, some, some failures on offense early in the season where they were putting too much on the shoulders of Hurts. Like he was, he was accounting for 75%, 80% of, of the offensive yardage, you know, and it's, yeah. he's still essentially a rookie. Like right. that was, that was a big mistake by this coaching staff early, but to their credit, they corrected it. And, uh, and the offense has stabilized since then where they're hovering right around the top 10 in a lot of the major categories. Teams know they're going to run the ball too. Yet they're oh, yeah. still doing it. Is I mean, obviously his legs, you have to defend his legs. and That always makes it hard for a defense. But what else about that running game makes it so effective? I mean, the offensive line has just been playing out of its mind, you know, from from Jason Kelsey to the left. Mm. Kelsey's still uh, playing at, at an extremely high level. Dickerson, you know, playing like Quentin Nelson, apparently. And then Jordan <laughs> Mailata, the former Australian rugby player, who's just a massive giant human being and so they've been able to create some serious lanes on the on the left side and then lane johnson the right tackle on the right is one of the premier right tackles in the game as well so that's that's been a major part of it and whether it's jordan howard or miles sanders or boston scott or kenny gainwell running the ball they've all seemed to have some success and then hurts you know he's he's number two among quarterbacks behind right. only lamar jackson and rushing yards and so you know if if he's they're always doing the zone reads so they're at the mesh point the defensive end or linebacker has to freeze and account for the fact that Hertz may pull it and and run with it and so that creates more of a, of a seam for running backs to get through so that equation has worked really well for this team you know it's funny because like in Griff Robert Griffin the third second year people start talking about the zone read is done I'm like it's never been done because it still works when you run it right because you can if they're getting five six yards off a of zone read that works that's a good play so, and, and you know, what, how about in terms of Hertz's throwing and his passing ability, you brought the play action. And I know, like, there's not a huge passing attack. You have Devontae Smith has been very good. Dallas Scott very good. But where is their passing game at? And is that an area where if you stop the run, how much trouble would the Eagles be in? Uh, they would probably be in, in some trouble, uh, at least based on the, the sample size that we have so far, like, if you look at their, their passing numbers, you know, they're, they're like 28th in the, in the league. If you look at Jalen Hurts' completion percentage, it hovers right around there, usually around like 28, 29 in the NFL. And so that would be an area of weakness for them. Uh, generally, though, once they switched into this, this run-based attack, Hertz became pretty efficient uh, in the way that he was throwing the ball with the, the play action working off of the ground game. He would get into this kind of rhythm uh, where he was he was really effective. He's just been inconsistent. Like there's been games where he's looked dynamite uh, throwing the ball. And then there's games like his last one against the Giants which was the worst outing of his career where he threw three picks and right. it looked bad. And it's, it's a loss that, you know, you might reflect on the season and be like, okay, well, that's the one that they should have had and they didn't. And maybe they don't get into the playoffs because of that. Then he, he gets hurt in that game. Minshew comes in, creates a whole buzz here in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, Minshew, Minshew mania. Yeah. Oh, Minshew mania. Yeah. Live and well um, helps that he played the Jets. You know, it always does. But you had to calm about that. Like you got to, obviously you're going to stick with Jalen because it also seems like, some guys, players just respond to. And it seems like Jalen, I wasn't in love with him coming out because of the throwing the and all that, but I love the competitor in him. And guys gravitate toward people like that. Do you think? 
Totally. I think you have the exact right read on him. 23 years old. And I agree with you coming out. I mean, there was questions, yeah. not just from guys like you and me, but from inside that building. Right, right. Who are right. like, I don't know, uh, because of the inconsistencies as a, as a passer and whether he was going to be able to turn that around. But yes, the, the leadership qualities were evident really from the jump. Like even, even last year, he had guys that were rallying around him to a point where became kind of a problem for Carson Wentz right. uh, because he just has this very strong gravitational pull. Um, and especially once Wentz started struggling, then guys were, were going towards Hertz a little bit. But, you know, he's put in, in all the effort with his teammates. It's like football is, is life. It's, it's what he focuses on and, and making sure that everybody is coming with him is a major priority. So during the offseason, taking every single guy out individually, to dinner, you know, building relationships. And so, yes, the, the bond is kind of strong. And that's one of a couple of reasons, I think, why you got to stick with Hertz, you know, for the rest of the regular season, whether he's coming off a bad game or not. Do you think they have three first round picks? Do you think he's going to be the guy beyond this year or is that to be to be to be determined? Yeah, it's a it's a TBD right now. He, he's got four games of evidence to, to put forth to management to say, Listen, you should right. you should stick with me and you Don't should use those it. three first round picks to to build up the defense or you know get me in another playmaker, things like that. Um, but I it's, it's certainly them going in a different direction is not off the table. In fact, if I had to put odds on it, I mean I, I might lean that way right now because mm. you know they've already been linked to Deshaun Watson and and that was real. Like their right. their pursuit of him, from my understanding, like that's legit. Uh, and then Russell Wilson could be out there. I think that they're going to explore all those avenues, you know, but if Jalen Hurts finishes strong, if he, if he comes out and he rolls this team into the postseason, that's, that's a hard that's, sell a hard, to go in a different yeah. direction. Isn't it, John? Like it is. And know? I think in that case, to me, it's like, you don't have to force it. If a guy's not there that you're not sold on. Like if you think, well, we need to get a quarterback. Don't just take any quarterback, get a guy that is a high quality, high level performer because you already have a guy who meets you to a certain place. No doubt. And he's got a couple of years left on that rookie contract. So you have yeah, him in that's there. That's a big deal. There cheap. He's 23 years old. I mean, the, the numbers that he has put up to this point in his career are similar to Lamar Jackson through through this mm -hmm. stage of his career. So you can make a case. But I think organizationally, you got to commit to it. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know that Jeffrey Lurie wants to do that necessarily. Like he's a pass first minded guy. You know, he's he's mm -hmm. not about this ground game at all, uh, you know, philosophically uh, but obviously it's the right thing to do in this current situation so it's it's a point of intrigue you know it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle it and uh, you know we're going to be writing it and uh, covering it quite a bit all right few minutes left here Ryan Kerrigan I've seen the stats I don't think he's got a sack this year what what has his role been with the Eagles and how has he looked the hope was that he was going to come in and be like that Chris Long mm -hmm. boost where he would have, you know, a, a limited role, but be very effective in it. And it just hasn't happened. He injured his, his thumb during the off season in the summer. And I don't know that when he came out of the shoot that he was even close to a hundred percent and that affected him. And it, it looks like, 
I mean, he doesn't look like the same player he was in Washington. He just he hasn't been very effective. Defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon sticks up for him and says that his eyes are always right, like he's in the right spot. He's playing winning football for us. But if you look at the stat sheet and you look at just the yeah. kind of limited production, it's like, it's yeah, limited. what they at least the public thought that they might be getting in Ryan Kerrigan wasn't isn't the same thing as what's transpired on the field. Yeah, because I I just thought, well, is he not getting snaps? And I see this. No, he's getting snaps. He's getting enough snaps to be more productive. That's for sure. Why th- this defense is obviously also playing better. Is it because of the run game controlling the clock or is there something the defense is doing that you say this is why they're playing better? Yeah, I mean, the offense, you know, playing complimentary football definitely helps. I would say the other thing is that Gannon has the defensive coordinator. It's his first time ever doing it, has found his footing a little bit. He was playing a lot of like soft zone where the Eagles have set a record for a number of opposing quarterbacks that have completed 80% of their throws this mm. year. Like they had five QBs that, that did it to them. It's, uh, and that's because they were playing so soft. But not many explosive players. plays, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to keep those, those deep throws off of them at any cost, and it, it turned out that you know the cost was losing games in, in some circumstances because he was so extreme in the way that he went in that direction. Uh, but he's starting to mix it up more. I think he's probably trusting the players in his scheme a little bit more. We can throw some some wrinkles. We can bring some heat. We can play a little bit more press man. And so those combinations of things have helped solidify the defense. And, and Darius Slay's playing great. Mm. Uh, you know, he, uh, he has three defensive touchdowns on the season. Like he's, and he's been very sticky in coverage kind of looks like the, you know, the prime Detroit year Darius Slay, which I didn't know if he, if that was coming back after sort of a, right. uh, an average, an average year by his standards last year. So, uh, so that's definitely helped. Last thing, where are they vulnerable on defense? Um, well, I would say the safety position. They've been like up the middle. You could probably see generally, although uh, TJ Edwards stepping in at linebacker has helped them, but, but Rodney McLeod, he's coming off of an ACL and hasn't been quite up to, to his form. Uh, Anthony Harris uh, maybe hasn't met expectations when he was signed to a one-year deal from, from Minnesota. And uh, so, yeah, I would say safe, like right up the gut is probably where they're, they're most vulnerable in that back end. But uh, in the secondary Generally, on the outside, they've been pretty good at, at the cornerback position with Steve Nelson, Darius Slay, Avante Maddox in the slot. They, they've been pretty good for the Eagles this year. Tim, appreciate the insight, and we will see you on Sunday. Looking forward to it, John. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Tim for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. It's crazy times, folks. I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.